What's happening, team? Stefan here with the Peak Season Podcast, brought to you by the Mountain Bureau. And uh, we're back from a, a surprise intermission. Didn't quite know we were going to do a little bit of an intermission, but that's all right. It's uh, it's largely due to an amazingly busy and fruitful winter. Tons of avalanche programming. The backcountry ski pass went super well. Uh, gosh, ice climbing, guiding, and Cody, and throughout the, the U.S. as uh, we chase the icicles. And man, thanks so much for everyone coming out, making it happen as you do. Uh, very much snow is on the ground. Snow is still on our mind. Uh, Cascadia Split Fest is very much on our mind. April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd up at Crystal Mountain, the Mountain Bureau will be hosting splitboarding clinics by today's guest, Zach Wentz. Very much the impetus of this episode is to get you an opportunity to meet your guide, to meet Zach, to hear what he's bringing to splitboarding, to hear his resume background, and just stoke for the whole sport. I mean... Uh, it's cool when you get to meet people that clearly are doing what they want to be doing and are making every effort to bring it to more people. And Zach is certainly one of those. And we just need more of those folks out there. So thank you, Zach. Also, big thank you to Cripple Creek Backcountry Seattle, as well as Weston Backcountry and Crystal Mountain for putting on Cascadia Split Fest. But otherwise, enjoy this conversation I have with Zach Wentz. See y'all at Split Fest. What's happening, man? What'd you get into this weekend? Yeah, um, yeah, this weekend was pretty eventful. So we actually uh, kind of kicked off our ski mountaineering program, our spring ski mountaineering program here with the Bureau. Um, so I ran a three-day ski mountaineering course with two guests. And yeah, it was, uh, conditions were a little challenging, but we uh, we always make do and make uh make it work and make lemonade out of lemons you could say um yeah and we uh we actually got some good skills in so it was a good weekend to practice like winter camping and we did some whiteout navigation we did some steep skiing and some belayed skis and lowers and crevasse rescue and all of it it was kind of a full comprehensive introduction to ski mountaineering um, and a pretty good weekend for it, honestly. Fantastic. Uh, where were you at? Uh, just the Baker backcountry outside of Heather Meadows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Sweet What's venue. The, what are, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I've spent a fair bit of time up there. What kind of conditions are you guys dealing with up there right now? I'm like full desert mode again down here. Yeah. Um, it, it is not desert mode. Um, it is <laughs> quite, it was quite wet. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit of just like kind of wet, soggy snow on Friday. You know, good spring, spring skiing, uh, good like, you know, south facing aspects were softening up and good corn skiing. So we went and skied this one cooler called Mission Impossible. And we made Mission Impossible possible, which was pretty cool. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> People were psyched. Um, but uh, yeah, and then uh, we got a little bit of snow. So it was like a little bit of new snow, kind of like wind affected snow on top of the melt freeze crust and then it rained so kind of saturated but yeah i mean pretty 
variable conditions, but, you know, good conditions for building snow anchors, talking about steep skiing and all that. So I think we like, we did, we skied the Kular in perfect corn and then we like did the steep skiing right after there was new snow. And then we did skills when it was bad, bad conditions. So it was like kind of playing, playing with our weather window in the best way possible. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that sounds killer. And, and frankly, it's really good to have bad conditions for skills because you can't really focus on anything else but the skill. Um, you just need those reps. So I think that kind of works out. Clearly, it's always nice to do it when it's sunny, but yeah. <laughs> it's better to get the skills than to not. Totally. Yeah. I think it was a great weekend for that. Nice. Um, how's the season been before all this programming? Like early December onwards, what was your, uh, winter like with the Bureau? Yeah. Um, it was good. So, uh, yeah, lots of work, honestly, you know, been basically teaching an avalanche course, area one, area rescue courses, area two programs, uh, split board specific intro courses, movement programs, uh, basically since early December. Um, it's been pretty much every single weekend. So I've just been like on the workhorse, you could say, um, yeah, it's been great. I, I, for me, it's a huge way to like promote access and get people into the into the backcountry environment. Um, and I, so I actually have quite a passion for my work and find it to be pretty rewarding. So um, yeah, I really enjoy that side of things. And I'm kind of a snow science avalanche nerd, as a lot of guides are. So uh, this, the avalanche component is uh, something I really like to talk about for sure. So um, just how to make good decisions for people. So yeah, been doing a lot of that. I also did two, I, well, th this fall I did a advanced level AMGA rock course. And then uh, my Canadian professional level two course in December. So it's been just jam packed with exams for myself, as well as, uh, you know, providing, you know, skills and, uh, experience for our, for the public. So yeah, it's been busy uh, to, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And all, any one of those programs is a often a half year's worth of preparation. So nice work there. And it's always extra interesting mixing up the disciplines. You're like, sweet, I'm really good at rock climbing now. All right, snow hat, turn that on. Let's go <laughs> into Canada where it's a very, very prestigious program. So nice job. Did that leave any room for personal writing or anything this season, rock or ski or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, a lot of the rock stuff was like training for the course. So I like sure. I went down to Red Rock for like basically a month before, and we climbed all kinds of stuff. You know, all the all the classics outside of Red Rock, and then um, yeah, and then come like after that program. Uh, you know, I went up to Canada. I, I, I went to school in Canada at the University of British Columbia. So uh, basically a lot of my friends are still up in Canada and live in the Sea of Sky Corridor, Revelstoke, Nelson, that whole area. And so for me, uh, I just basically hung out with some of my old uh, university friends and we went riding. So I did a few things in Rogers Pass before the CAA Level 2 program and uh, a few things in the Whistler Sea to Sky Corridor as well before during, in the midst of training for that pro these programs. Like the beauty of training for a lot of these programs, you just get to go out skiing and riding. So it's like a good way to train and also get some of your personal objectives done. Totally. 
like multi-year personal goals? Do you have anything like on a tick list coming up? Uh, aside, clearly you have professional goals, but yeah, like any traverses, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, multi-year, uh, I'd like to split board Denali. That'd be a cool one. Um, yeah, um, I, I last, so two years ago, I was fortunate to be on the team to ski the east face of mount cook in new zealand and uh i like when i was there like i was looking on like the far side of the mountain and there's definitely some first descent potential there as well so um i'd love to go back there that's just like new zealand is super i mean i don't want to blow out the spot but here we are um, <laughs> <laughs> um but new zealand is super underrated for its uh, ski mountaineering potential so i'd love to go back there when we can travel to new zealand and have it be a uh, reasonable thing to do sure totally oh that's right i didn't know you had done that what how about how long ago was that uh that was october of 2019 yeah yeah okay. it was pretty wild we like i mean i i went there yeah I, I went there with the goal of like just trying to get more big ski mountaineering missions done and um you know mount cook was kind of always the goal uh the overall like thing that we're trying to do and uh you know new zealand has some of the most epic ski mountaineering terrain it's like every it's kind of like north cascades but even gnarlier you know even even more wild even more steep even more uh you know rugged which is like hard to believe but true um <laughs> yeah we could go down so many rabbit holes about that but um you know, they're not super known for like super high ski quality. Like a lot of the time you're skiing ice or, you know, it's one of the most maritime snowpacks in the world. It's like all, all those storms because New Zealand is such a small island. It's just the storms just rake over the island and really uh, are pretty powerful. So we were not expecting to get it in like really good snow conditions. But um, yeah, I skied these with like our team and, you know, it was basically it was wild there's like 15 people on the east face the day that i, that I skied it um you know which were like some of them were like total idols of mine in the world of ski mountaineering people like mark smiley and eric carter and all those folks were there skiing that day as well and uh we skied in like it was like six thousand feet of 45 50 degree skiing with blower pow it was unbelievable like something just it that never happens you know so <laughs> people people can't see you right now but you're lifting your hands in the air and clearly had a good day yeah it's is is so good yeah i can't stars align for sure sounds like it man have these big mountain goals of yours always been a part of the early part of your snowboarding in your origin story let's say did you always want big mountains involved in them yeah, totally. So yeah, for me, uh, so I guess to answer the first part of that question, yeah, I, I, for me, like the the goal is always to find like the best quality snow conditions on the biggest line. And, you know, this is like, I think this is a lot of ski mountaineers goals, um, you know, finding like good power riding on a big line. But, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, as we know, like, you know, when we talk about it on like avalanche courses, you know, oftentimes the like best quality ski conditions are when it's like pretty dangerous. Um, so to be able to ski a big line like that, that's, you know, 6,000 feet of no fall zone skiing, like you really need to have a pretty unique condition to be able to, uh, 
to do that type of stuff. And so it, it really does feel like a unique experience, like all the stars aligned perfectly to make this happen. And, um, you know, it just feels like the best feeling in the world. Uh, so for me, that's always the thing I'm seeking out is, is the, those big mountain ski lines in the best quality snow conditions. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of the drivers for me for like getting really attuned with the mountains and getting attuned with weather and snowpack observations and all this type of stuff. Cause that like having a good understanding of trends that you see in the mountains will give you an idea of what you can do and what you can't do. So, uh, that can really help with things, but yeah, kind of my origin story beyond that. Um, you know, I started rock climbing when I was, uh, in high school, um, got kind of really attuned into that. Um, I started snowboarding when I was about 10 years old, but I was like a very, you know, recreational, like go two or three times a year type snowboarder. Uh, none of my friends were doing it at the time, but my, you know, my parents were super supportive. They, they like my parents cross country skied and they were like supportive of us going in the mountains, but they never, uh, they never actually did it themselves. So for me, it was always just like, Hey, mom and dad, can we go to the ski, ski hill? And they'd be psyched and we'd, we'd go up there. And, uh, but I didn't really get officially like into, into it, like really severely, uh, into it until I went to university. And so, um, for me, I went to school at the university of British Columbia in Vancouver. So basically going skiing at Whistler, that was, that was the thing. And so like pretty much every weekend I went skiing at Whistler and, you know, um, I even extended my university degree to ski more at Whistler and we can talk more about that, but, um, <laughs> awesome. but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like most people that I know that went to the university of British Columbia, they're like, why are you here? And it's like, well, so I can get the discount on the Whistler black home pass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I hear that I did plenty of riding in, uh, school growing up and growing up in the Skagit Valley, just a few hours from Whistler. So spent a ton of time up there, but something you and I had talked about uh, before we had met here is uh, it's, these opportunities are hard to get, right? Like oh, yeah. Going to Whistler, getting a snowboard, doing the things. And if some of us have been fortunate enough to have opportunities for that, then yeah. I think it's important to try and bring that to more people. And you mentioned to me that these clinics are kind of a way to do that. Yeah, that's right. A way to provide uh, more of a pathway, less barriers and get people into split boarding. And uh, just, can you speak to that a little bit more for me? Yeah, great. So, um, yeah, just like you mentioned, you know, access and there's a lot of barriers for access, especially in the ski realm, you know, financial barriers being one and also just like feeling a belonging. Um, and uh, so I think, you know, this is something that I think we're getting better and better at in the industry, uh, but it's still a challenge. Um, you know, I think both of those things like ski areas are are, you know, becoming more and more expensive and that's a barrier to access. And then also for us, like gear and availability of gear, uh, for people getting into it is a barrier for access. And a lot of it is a financial concern. And, um, so I'm, I'm really psyched, you know, I, I, I came to Mark with kind of these, these goal, goals and visions and just was just like, Hey, I, I'd like to run these programs. Um, and he was very accepting of supporting those goals. And so, yeah, well, like a 
one of the major barriers for access, I think, is financial barriers and that feeling of belonging. And I think both of those, like, you know, this year at Cascadia Split Fest coming up in a week here, uh, we're providing half day clinics for split borders, by split borders, you know, um, and we're providing rental gear for 10 bucks on top of a pretty uh, reasonable like course fee already. So I think, uh, you know, it's like 50 or no, it's 65 to 80 bucks for each of those programs. And, you know, that's pretty like if I had that kind of thing growing like growing up when I was starting into split boarding, it would have it would have significantly fast tracked uh, my ability to learn the craft in a in the way with minimizing the most mistakes. <laughs> like totally. you can't, you can, you totally can learn this stuff on your own. Um, I think one of the best values of hiring a guide is like you, like they've been through the trial and error process before and have already made a few mistakes in, 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 uh, in the discipline and have fine tuned their craft to the point where they can offer the best advice. And, um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that, and if, if you go to these half-day clinics, it can uh, you can help build your community and uh, feel a sense of belonging, but also um, learn the skills in in the same go. So, yeah, a little plug for the Split Fest, but um, yeah, I think it's a really cool thing. As we do here on the podcast, and and it is a uh, another thing I find with a lot of people and and myself getting into all these activities, rock climbing, split boarding, whatever it is, is finding partners and finding like minded people in clinics, courses, whatever it is. Uh, that's the filter to find the right people. A lot of the time, you've all acknowledged that you want to learn something. You've all acknowledged that you're you're seeking other people to go out with, and you get to see who you jive with, who you don't, how the program was, if you even like the activity. So I think there's a lot of benefit to this style of clinic and getting people just even to meet each other within the community. That there's always more of us out there than we think, but it's always super hard to find everybody. Um, yeah, for, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Yeah. For you coming up, like this is, you know, these clinics are great. Instruction is great for the community, for other people. Where is your professional uh, trajectory going? What are your goals for yourself? Yeah, great question. So for me, like the biggest looming goal is I'm doing my uh, AMGA full ski guide exam uh, this spring in uh, mid- the middle of May. So that'll be like, for those who don't know, the uh, training process to be a certified mountain guide in this country is pretty extensive. There's basically an entry level course you do that has a lot of prereqs. And then you do an advanced level course that has an exam. And then after you pass all that stuff, then you can apply. You do all these other prereqs to apply for the exam. And then you can actually take the exam, which is pretty difficult as well. So, um, yeah, if so, I'm got in for that, trying to train for that and get and do the best that I can with that. Um, and if I complete that, I'll be one of less than 15 certified splitboard guides in the country. So it'd be pretty awesome. Rad. And then, uh, yeah, it looks like our backcountry ski pass did really well this winter. I think there's lots of things looming for the next season. Probably see you and I both on some of those programs coming up. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great program as well. Um, especially like when we're thinking about 
uh, increasing access and breaking down barriers for for access to the backcountry. Um, it's a phenomenal program, uh, very financially uh, accessible, and you know what you get for 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 your, your uh, the value is just incredible. So awesome. Um, hey, you've spent some time, I'm sure, in the Canadian hut system. Is there any programming that you'd be doing in the future up there? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, so I've got a few programs. Uh, there's a few. There's a lodge in the in the uh, Canadian Rockies. I have a relationship with that would be very uh, psyched. I think uh, the kind of Selkirk area, like Selkirk Lodge, and you know some of this stuff out there. I think you know rep, the skiing around Revelstoke and you know Northern Whistler as well, like Whitecap Lodge and all that is uh, definitely something that. We're, it, we're planning for, for next year. So, you know, I think that it's the best experience ever. You basically fly in by helicopter to a remote lodge, you know, and somebody cooks food for you and you have a sauna, hot tub, you know, go skiing all day, come back, have five-star cuisine, hang out with your guide and hang out in the hot tub and then just repeat that day after day. So it's kind of, it's one of the best experiences of all time. And, um, you know, Canada is one of the only places in the world where we get to do that. So, uh, it's pretty unique. And, uh, yeah, so we're hoping to, we're running some programs next year with that in mind with the Bureau. And so we'd love anybody who's interested to get involved. Fantastic. Yeah, the Canadians have been on board with splitboard guiding and, and splitboarding as a, a really part of the sport for a long time. I know when I started splitboarding, I'm going to date myself, but I had to like split my board in half. And it was a little bit more of a, I'm always explaining what splitboarding is to people. And, and anymore, I mean, this year I had a bunch of splitboarders on programs. Uh, it's way more on the tip of people's tongue. The equipment's gotten way better. To me, it seems like it can stand on its own two feet now. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's just like anything in the backcountry. It's like, you know, pra perfect practice makes perfect. And so, like, I think if you get practice with your, your equipment and practice with the movement side of things, both on the up and the down, uh, yeah, it totally can. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's apples to apples these days you know like the the equipment is like just as light and sometimes like we you know I, it was interesting because on this last program i had one split border and one skier on the ski mountaineering program and you know there were cases where i'm like yeah like this is better as a split border like steep skiing it's better as a split border you can get your edge in two ice axes it's like you know there's it's really apples to apples these days. And so, um, you know, whichever, like, I'm not really one to be like fighting towards like, oh, skis or snowboards are better than skis, you know? I'm like, really don't really want to get into that debate. Um, it's just like, however you choose to move in the mountains, like, great, do it, do whatever, like, is the most natural or what feels the most authentic to you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely growing up like riding Baker and riding snowboards for like 15 plus years there's you certainly run into like attitudes towards snowboarding not unlike attitudes towards anything and yeah it's always something to juggle uh do you have any experiences or ways that you'd work with that when you're in the field yeah i mean personally i just i almost like choose not to engage and i just like try to be professional and uh just do my craft essentially i think that's the best way like showing showing that a snowboard and the split board can be a very uh 
efficient uh, and you know fun and effective tool for the backcountry is the best way to build that buy-in with skiers it's just like hey we can hold our own so like no need to beef on this you know totally yeah playful banter is always good like like sporting team style stuff but yeah i agree i think it's just like we're all sliding on snow right like and then yeah in the flats sure i've got to bust another transition maybe i'm crawling it's okay it's okay we'll all have our moment that day but yeah that's well said and and i totally vibe with that um for me growing up i always had like mentors even before i got into guiding and i also or i entered the guiding track in the ski category the splitboard category for me it was like craig kelly people like that like many many years ago do you have any like maybe more uh current modern models that you're looking towards people that have mentored you yeah, I mean, um, it's funny because like not a lot of my mentors are snowboarders. I think for me, like snowboarding and splitboarding was just the tool that felt the most uh, intuitive and natural to me. But, um, you know, people I've always looked up to or, you know, kind of these people that are doing big, like big self-propelled adventures in the big mountains. So, you know, people like you know, some of the ski mountaineering racers like Eric Carter and uh, Mark Smiley and all those folks are definitely people I look up to. Um, Anybody that's into like the big technical lines on the biggest peaks in the world, I look up to them as well. So, you know, people that are like, you know, utilizing rope work to doing rappels into lines, all that type of stuff are people that really inspire me as well. So people like Zon, Zon Billamoria, who lives out of uh, Jackson Hole, is pretty inspiring to me. And, you know, I've had the fortune of living here and working in, in the Cascades. I've had the fortune of working with some really top tier guides as well. People like Rob Capolillo and uh, Kurt Hicks, Jonathan Spitzer, all these people. And so, um, you know, they're definitely in that same uh, caliber. And I've just been like super fortunate to work with those folks um, from a splitboarding side of things. You know, a, a lot of the a lot of the people I know of are in the were, you know, mentors of mine in this splitboard realm were in Canada. And so, you know, I've worked with people like, you know, Sam McCoy, he's not a splitboarder, but good Canadian ski guide. But, um, you know, people like Joey Vosberg, he kind of set the, the grounds of what's possible in the splitboard uh, guiding realm. So he's a huge inspiration for sure. People like Adam Zock and Christine Flecki, Batty Haynes, like all those folks are huge inspirations. So Awesome. Thanks, man. I, I don't know. I love chalking up like who else is doing cool stuff out there. Sometimes I feel a bit dated. You kind of get plugged into like the mentors. It's like music in high school. Like I like to think that I'm uh, always listening to new music, but there's like still the stuff that I've listened to for 20 years that I listen to all the time. So it's always nice to see totally. what else is happening out there. Um, right. And totally. I think who else like you ever heard of like Dan Helmstetter was kind of this like lived in his car like he was actually a skier but man just was like for five years or so in the cascades was just tearing it up it was super cool to follow someone like that yeah. too um well i mean clearly we both like guiding and split boarding but you know balance is the key to a, a happy life a lot of the time which is hard to say as we're both in a lot of programs and exams yeah. what are you doing outside of guiding and, and backcountry split boarding and all this to like keep yourself sane balance it out a little bit yeah um i mean like you mentioned it's uh 
especially when you you're teaching a lot and training a lot like honestly this year i haven't done much of anything outside of work um and training but um you know i like to say that i have some kind of balance i like to cook good food um uh i like to hang out on the beach you know i like to go see kayaking do some like outdoor chill outdoor activities that are not necessarily like pushing the grounds of what's possible in the world of of big mountain riding um you know for me like community is such a huge thing that i value and so like having birthday like having you know hanging out and having a barbecue on the beach for someone's birthday or just continuing to foster a strong interconnected community within these activities is huge for me so a lot of like social events i'm pretty like you know fired up and like to hang out and extroverted personality so uh for me it's like a lot of that type of stuff i eventually would like to i've had the uh the intention to have my own garden and have my own and like brew my own beer and all this type of stuff i've you know this year i'm hoping to do a little bit more local work in the past i've done you know more expedition style guiding and bigger mountains around the world and so now i'm like i just want to like foster a life um and be a little bit more local with my adventures Awesome. Um, I, just thinking this off the top of my head, like we, you and I spend so much time outside driving in cars, being intense, a fair bit of headphone time goes on. Or are, are you a music guy, a podcast guy, just white noise, the ocean sounds or like kind of where are you at? Where do you land in that? Yeah. I mean, I love, I love reading as well. So, you know, get Kindle app on my phone. I love, you know, uh, all those different, like just yeah, almost like self-help books, honestly, if I were to be most honest, um, you know, books like, uh, you know, uh, flow, the psychology of optimal experience, that type of stuff uh, is really fun. Dude, that is my favorite. That is one of my favorite books. Oh, amazing. It's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the original one flow and then like flow state, there's like more of a pop culture one, like maybe six years ago now that was also super good. That's hilarious. nice. Awesome. That's sweet. Yeah, great minds think alike, I suppose. <laughs> totally. Yeah. We'll just pat ourselves on the back here for another second. <laughs> yeah, totally. But cool, Love man. It. Fantastic. Well, as we kind of like settle into the, the end of the show here, uh, looking back at your career and yourself, like I think of myself as like periods of my life. And right now I know that future Stefan's going to look at past Stefan and be like, God, that guy was such a junk show. Like if I could have only told him like, Hey, it's going to be all right. Or 10 years ago, Stefan, what would you be telling like Zach 10 years in the past coming up into what you're doing now? Yeah. Uh, great question. So like, you know, I think a major thing for me was, uh, you know, especially with the whole thing with split boarding, uh, I didn't know if it was, if I could make it as a guide, um, you know, like a lot of my friends were obviously like, well, you know, if you're going to be a guide, you're going to be a skier, you know, and uh, especially, you know, in the Canadian scene, even though there were these people that were doing it like uh, Joey Bosberg and Christine Falecki and, you know, Adam Zock and all these folks, it's like, you know, most of the work still went to skiers. And so I was like, ah, I don't know if this is the best tool for this. But for me, it was an easy choice because I like I just don't know how to ski. I like am terrible. Like you go out skiing with me and I can barely ski a blue, you know, <laughs> but um, 
So it's like I had kind of one option and here we are. And so, um, <laughs> so I just made it work. And I think that was one of the best moves of my entire guiding career was just sticking with the split boarding because, you know, now we have, you know, the split boarding tool has become just as, you know, just as it's becoming more as accessible as skis. Um, and, you know, we're seeing a rapid increase of our, uh, of the public gain into this craft. And so like, and what we haven't seen yet is a lot of, you know, professional mentorship uh, in the split boarding realm. So, you know, I think being in that place to be able to offer professional mentorship uh, courses and trips to that audience is one of, one of the best decisions I've ever made. And so I'm really happy I stuck with it and didn't fall off to peer pressure and be like, hey, this is what everyone else in, is in the industry is doing. So therefore you have to do it. So I'm like really psyched that I stuck with the split boarding life and am uh, working to build out that that community a little bit more. Awesome, man. Yeah. Longevity and just sticking with a thing, right? Like I, I can say the same thing. Yeah. It's like been split boarding long enough where you're like, well, at some point I probably could have learned to ski by now, but I, <laughs> and I'm still working on it, but yeah, it's cool to have seen the sport really kind of come into its own and, and be here for that and have like a wealth of experience to be able to share in, in what was once more niche and now is more commonplace. I mean, there's as like we said, there's as many people split boarding as ever. And, uh, it's cool to see so much like anytime there's a new piece of technology is like, Oh man, I wish I could lock my heel, heel down a little easier. It's like, well, sweet. We live in the future. And then like next season, there's already something that's like 10 times better than a ski strap or whatever right. it is. So it's a, it's a great time to be in it. Um, a lot of wood shopping and, and creative ingenuity of snowboarders has like been taken to the machi machine shop and people have businesses that can just make these things happen. And yeah, like companies like Weston and, and all of that have like been super super supportive and, and clearly, uh, making great stuff. So it's a cool time to be a split boarder for sure. Um, yeah. well, Hey man, thanks so much for, for coming in here. Um, I really appreciate your time and, uh, April 1st through the 3rd is split yeah. fest. Um, clinics start around 1 PM. Uh, looks like they're about two to three hours, uh, in the order of like, 60 to 80 bucks something like that there's more information on the mountain bureau website the bottom of the page says cascadia split fest um all the social medias all those things um zach and i will be kind of creating some programming for future seasons for split boarding so keep an eye out for that uh, i'm going to be putting my head down more in the northwest in the winters as well and be riding zach's coattails so looking forward to that and yeah man thanks so much for coming on no, thank you, Stefan. And yeah, thanks for making this happen. Really appreciate it. All right, team. Thanks again for tuning in. Thank you to Cripple Creek, Weston, Crystal Mountain, and man, of course, Zach Wentz and the Mountain Bureau. Uh, music today by DJ Mantis and the Black Swedes. We look forward to seeing you at Split Fest. And for the next episode, stay tuned.